Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Welcome to the campfire. I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. And we're two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. We traveled last week. Yes, we did. But first and foremost, we hope everybody has a great safe weekend this weekend in celebration of our country's birthday right independence day is this weekend and as peggy said we did travel last week we were gone the whole week right we got to go to a rally in santa fe i yeah. almost that was weird i almost said santa fe springs <laughs> like i still lived in southern california <laughs> yeah no we went all the way to Santa Fe with the <laughs> FMCA, and it was a great day. So everybody said yay! yay. <laughs> so we did some new things that we hadn't done before in Santa Fe, right. and did some old things that we had done before in Santa Fe. Right, there's some favorites that we really like to do. But one of the people, as they were leaving <laughs> the rally... <laughs> Apparently forgot their checklists. And you know checklists make for stressless camping. Yeah, we talked about that last week. Yes. And this person was actually in a motorhome with a toad behind and left the car behind in gear. Yeah. So they were trying to pull out and the wheels were just not turning, but they were like skidding and jumping around on the ground. Yeah, and it was not good for that poor little car. Tony ran and screamed. Yeah, I'm like hollering at this guy, Chase, literally running down the road at the campground and he is oblivious. When you leave your site, perhaps turn off the radio and open a window so you can hear what's going on in case, you know, there's a car behind you going, right, or someone in front of you saying, stop. Yeah, no, I mean, the guy was shocked. It took me some doing to stop him. And he's just oblivious to it. So anyway, checklists make for stressless camping. And if he had followed his checklist, he probably would not have caused damage to his car. I don't know if he did, but I don't know. This thing was skidding pretty hard. Yeah. So just a little reminder. And we have a place where you can download checklists, as we always say. They're free. We have them in Word, Apple Pages, Google Docs, PDF. So you can modify them for your own circumstances. Indeedy. If you remember last week, we said that, yeah, we're camping with the FMCA and we are at a full hookup campground and we are going to not full hookup. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to leave the rig unplugged to see kind of how long we can just make things run and all of that such. I mean, it's not like we don't already know. We do recommend this for people who think they might want to boondock and they're not really sure how long they can go. We recommend them to go to a campground go for as long as you can and if you get into trouble plug in you'll yeah. be fine and that way you can kind of monitor what what happens and what we found which reinforced what has happened in the past is yes we can run our air conditioner for about five to six hours and that's that was perfect for where we were because um it was not humid or exceptionally miserable right. during the day. It was actually pretty pleasant and just chilled down the trailer a little bit. And then it was time for sleeping and we could turn on one of the Max Air fans. So at no point did we get 
really, really low on our solar and lithium system. And that speaks to how well designed that system is, how well everything works. And of course, as regular listeners know, that system was designed and engineered by ABC Upfitters, who can do all sorts of packages for your RV. And, you know, we're getting ready to go to the Frog Rally, and ABC Upfitters has a little special deal going on for people who are going to be at the Frog Rally. And it's getting close to, like, when you should be making your appointment. So if you haven't already done so, it would be a good idea to give them a call. If you're coming for the Frog Rally anyway and you're going to be in town, you might as well come a little early or stay a little late. And have a system put in right and the other thing is of course we'll be there at the frog rally we have some interesting things that we're planning we're going to have a little bit of fun at that frog rally frog rally if you don't know is forest river owners group so if you have a forest river product you are invited to be a part of that and one of the things that a lot of people like is if your rv is newer and i don't remember what the cutoff is they will actually repair i think two or three items at no cost at the frog rally there's details there we'll put a link to frog rally we'll put a link to abc upfitters i just saw them put a system into a class brv and it was just so professional and i'll share a couple of pictures of that it was really neat so if you're thinking of getting a solar system or wanting to bolster the one you have or just are solar curious give abc upfitters a call they really are a company that stands behind their work and does a super job and i'm having a lot of fun with bill planning a little excursion that we're going to take with him after the frog rally and we can boondock as much as we want because bill also has an abc upfitter system so we don't have to worry about campgrounds very much we're kind of planning some really fun overnight stays Tony doesn't know any of it because he's been busy doing other things, (laughs) which is not uncommon. Tony usually knows the general area we're going to end up in. But from day to day, he just says, tell me the address and (laughs) gets it behind the wheel. (laughs) Uh, Yep, that's the way I do things. I just go where I'm told. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we have kind of a funny interview format. Not a funny interview, but a funny interview format. We were actually invited to be the experts during a Zoom meeting. We asked for a recording of that, and they are very, very interested in avoiding mold. They're called Exposing Mold, and they are a group of people who have been medically very affected by mold problems and want to avoid that. So it was really interesting. You know, they are the mold experts, but They aren't the RVing experts. So it was a fun conversation back and forth. And we have a chance to play that for you. So here it is. Hello, everybody. I'm Alicia Swamy. I'm here with my co-host, Eric Johnson, Keely Severson. We're exposing mold. And today we have Tony and Peggy from stresslesscamping.com and podcast with us for an Ask the Expert session. So I'm super excited to have you guys here. Thank you so much for joining us. We are big fans here at Exposing Molds when it comes to being in nature, being outdoors and camping. We are a group of people that have been made ill by toxic mold in our homes and our workplaces. A lot of it is in people's homes and they become so sick and so hypersensitive and reactive to environments. That being in a place of nature, being outdoors is actually extremely healing for health. And a lot of people have recovered 
their health through methods of camping or RVing and such. So I saw that you guys had a podcast episode where you talked about the health benefits of being outdoors and all that jazz. And I was really excited to see that because that's what we're all about. We're actually very radical in the way that we approach health. Eric, Keely, and I, we almost died from our exposures and we have gone from doctor to doctor to try to figure out what was going on with our health. We're all very healthy, robust people, all very knowledgeable about health and wellness and eating. So we were doing all the right things. It was just this major toxic exposure that brought us down. And in order to recover our health, we found that we had to go extreme. We had to be outdoors. We had to be around trees, around nature to really allow our bodies to heal. Now, I know this is a very radical thing that people don't talk about because when you think about health, it's diet, it's exercise, it's meditation, but it's never leaving your environment. And sometimes the environment is the problem. And so that's sort of where we're coming from. And so a lot of people would love to have your type of information where you guys are talking about camping and destinations and other things that you can find along the way while you're living a full-time RV lifestyle. So we'd really love to get into that. Let's talk about purchasing a trailer. Speaking of mold and RVs, before we bought the bed and breakfast, we had an old pop-up tent trailer (laughs) that we bought from a friend. This was the mold special. I mean, it was just... Oh, it was so bad. Well, you know, those things are, you know, half canvas. Yeah. So anytime they, if you get them even the littlest bit damp and then fold them down and store them for a couple of months, you guys yeah. don't have to, we don't have to tell you what happens then. <laughs> yeah, it becomes, it becomes pretty bad. So we did a lot of scrubbing and scrubbing and airing out and, eh, you know, it was usable, wasn't ideal. Yeah. But we spent, when we had that, we spent more time out of it right. than in it because, It was pretty bad. It was a mold bomb, it sounds like. So I guess it's safe to say your recommendation of a trailer not to buy would be something that has a canvas type of hybrid thing going on then. Because I see a lot of those in these RV parks. And I think they're fine. One of the things that people don't realize when they buy any RV, whether it's a pop-up tent trailer or a million-dollar Class A diesel pusher, is that all RVs, the manufacturers recommend that you inspect all the seals around the RV, usually every 90 days or so. And RVs do leak. The bad thing is, you know, you might think, you know, anywhere where there's a hole punched in the surface of the RV, and you might assume, well, that's where a baggage door is. But there are so many holes, like on the roof, where there's a skylight, the air conditioner, the vents, all of those things, that roof sealant is a flexible sealant that dries out. And so as somebody who worked in warranties at an RV dealer, there are a lot of little secret sources of water on an RV that really should be maintained regularly because you can get water in the wall. And by the time you realize it, it can the, become a problem. Yeah. And the canvas ones, I mean, they you have to just take extra care, make sure that they're fully dried out and watch for problems to start. And like I said, we bought ours used and it hadn't been well cared for. So, no. you know, we had to deal with it and we did. But then since we've had these solid boxes now, <laughs> quote unquote solid, we have made sure, as Tony said, to check all the places where there's holes. Yeah. And that, and, and that happens in a house too. Obviously, you know, 
But the difference really between checking all the holes in a house and all the holes in an RV is that every time we move, that RV wiggles and jiggles around and things can knock loose. And so even if I checked it before I left on the trip, something might have happened in this 50 mile drive that we took yesterday. So the ABCs of RV living always be checking then, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's, you know, you look at where the baggage doors are put onto a travel trailer. It's like a clamshell and there's screw holes and all of that seal around there. And one of the things that got us that I didn't check and it bit us on the first mini light, there was a marker light at the, you know, there's those five marker lights along the front and five on the back. And one of the marker lights on the front was not sealed well and water got in and it started to separate though. It's called delamination because the walls on these things are all glued together on, on the laminated trailers are all glued together. They can actually come unglued if water gets into them. Aluminum trailers do tend to have a little bit less trouble because they aren't a wall attached to a roof but they still have all those holes. So you still want to watch. I don't think we really were clear on this. The roof of an RV, a non-aluminum RV, is usually warranted for a certain amount of time. But what people don't realize is the roof is a separate, I don't know, entity from the hole in the roof. So the roof material itself might be warranted, but all those holes are a separate story. So even in aluminum, that's going to be the same thing. Wherever but there's a hole, there's a chance for water intrusion. You still have to inspect any RV for leaks regularly. But inspect is one thing. You might go like our first mini light was four years without a leak. And, and it was finally that dumb marker light that did leak. Unfortunately, there... nothing got deep enough in to really cause any kind of problem right. for us. We have a podcast episode all about leaks and sealants. There are very specific sealants and compounds for individual RVs. So your RV manufacturer will say, okay, up on the roof, we use this. And on the windows, we use that and, and things like that. So oh, okay. there are specific <laughs> compounds that they will recommend. And most of the time, not always, but much of the time, you will not find those at your local big box store. Those are more RV specific things and work well with the way your RV is built. Now, let's get down to the nitty gritty of what we're all concerned about here, and that's mold growth. What are some common areas that you see in RVs and trailers when they encounter mold? Is it, you know, mainly under the sinks or I know there's some other less common areas that people don't know about, but it's actually a pretty pervasive problem, like under the mattress or something like that. What have you guys seen in your experience in terms of mold growth in RVs and trailers? I'd say the most common is whatever the front of the trailer is and the roof, that area there, that seal tends to leak. Because when you think, you know, you're going down the road, that's a lot of, that's 60 miles an hour of wind pushing on that. Yeah. And if it's raining and it's pushing that rain through into any little tiny crack that might be in that seal. So that roof seam and the area between the front cap and the roof tends to have a propensity to leak and you don't find it for a good long while because it's thick and so the water will get in 
and it can seep all in the walls. And by the time you see it, it might have been in there for a good long while. And it could be anywhere, like it might show itself just in the cabinets up at the top, but it might have leaked all the way down the wall. And we'd see it in the outside compartment that goes across the front. It is sneaky in terms of the water coming in from outside. Also, though, I know that a lot of people, you said mold under the mattress. We happen to live in the desert. So we haven't really had too much concern with humidity. We did travel in the South earlier this year. A lot of times people will say like, well, what can I do to eliminate the humidity in my RV? And I never quite understood the question (laughs) because we've never lived where it was humid at all. We've had to put humidifiers in. It's kind of like the places that you don't look very often, the back of the closets and under the mattress or in a cabinet, like you said, under the sink. If your water pump is under one of your sinks, it's a good idea to just occasionally take a look at where that water pump is. We actually did have a little leak coming out of the water pump and we found that fortunately just a little bit of water leaked out from under the sink and we figured out what it was right away. Also the drains. So if you are in your sinks or your shower or whatever, your drains, again, these are wobbly boxes. And everything shakes and rattles and rolls. And even something that you checked before might have popped loose. And so that includes all the water lines and the drain lines. Specifically to your question, a very valid one under the mattress. It's an area where there is routinely a lot of condensation and that can build up and you're sleeping on it all night. So if you do live where it's humid, there's this Froley sleep system, and it's essentially a bunch of plastic springs. It's a German company. You can put it underneath the mattress, and it raises it up and gives airflow. Yeah. So those Froley sleep systems are, and apparently makes it more comfortable, too. There you go. Check out the Froley sleep system for under yeah. your mattresses. I was so scared about mold in our RV because of my mold allergy. And so I'm like going through all the groups and making sure, you know, typing in the mold and everyone's conversations. And someone had mentioned like it's a sneaky way to get mold under your mattress because of the condensation from your body every night. And so yeah, that's something you don't hear about. And that's something that when you go through an RV inspection, they don't tell you about either, you know, like, hey, this could pretty much damage the underneath of your bed here. So here's some tools for you to look into. They don't mention that. It's not uncommon at all. You know, after a couple of years, you lift up the mattress and it's like, uh oh, <laughs> like I say, it's, it's a, a really, yeah. yeah, it's a good system. Another thing I've seen people do, but it depends like our mattresses on a whole structure. So there's drawers and all of that and our battery system under there. So we couldn't really do this, but I've seen where people use You know, at Ikea, those like slats that are like this, and then they kind of open. I've seen people use that too, to allow airflow. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Elaine had a really great question here. What is in the Rockwood walls and the Lance walls? And that Uh. is really, really pertinent because I'm going to let Tony explain the three constructions, but what's in there has a lot to do with how much mold might take hold. There are two major ways that especially towable RVs are built. There's the ones where you see the sides are corrugated. Typically, those are wood framed like a house, but it's really thin little one by one studs. So they're wood framed. And then the outer aluminum skin is screwed to that. Inside between the studs are insulation And then inside is a wall material that's typically Luon, which is a really cheap 
wood product on it's like wood paneling right yeah it's like wood paneling so that's how those are made and the fact that the outside material is corrugated all the places where there's a flat like a window or door or cabinet or whatever you'll see the big differences as it kind of follows the path of that corrugation so that ceiling really putty or whatever is in between is like Thick, thin, thick, thin, thick, thin. I like to crack him up. Yeah, Um, but it's true. But those can be great if you maintain them and stay on top of that. And they tend to be the least expensive trailers because they're just, there's almost no tooling needed. You just build them as you go. And if you maintain them, they're fine. I mean, we had a 1970 aristocrat that was uh, corrugated and it had no signs of leaks because someone took care of it. The laminated trailers where the sides are smooth, the way those are built is there's an outer layer of fiberglass, really, really thin. And then the traditional way was a layer of Luon, which is a wood product, and then either an aluminum stud or styrofoam, which they use for insulation, and then inside a layer of Luon, which is wood. And if water got in there, it would soak into that Luon and it would come apart. It's relatively inexpensive to use that Luon, but if water gets into it, it's almost impossible to fix. You have to just go back and have a whole new wall. Yeah. Now, for example, Rockwood, Lance, and a few others are using a product called Asdel. And what Asdel is, is it's shredded soda bottles, essentially. So it's a layer of fiberglass, then Asdel, then an aluminum stud or styrofoam, and then an inner layer of Asdel. And that's good because it's essentially does not. Yeah, it's plastic and it doesn't get delaminated and it tends to be more. It doesn't absorb water. So I would suspect and I have no data to prove this other than, you know, what's going on up here. But I suspect it's probably less susceptible to mold as well because it's plastic. It's all plastic. So related question then the under the flooring. Oh yeah. That's so with the Keystone, for example, they've developed their own laminated flooring, which is all man-made material. Airstream uses this composite plastic flooring that is impervious to water absorption or water damage. So that's kind of cool. Well, the holes in it aren't still though. So if you've got, but I mean, at least it's through the floor, you the same thing as with the roof, but the whole entire floor itself is a little less susceptible. To right. So water if there's water leak, at least it's not going to absorb out and wick out and potentially be a source of mold if the flooring is all plastic. Right. And the plastics now that they're using have been pretty good. They don't tend to delaminate or fall apart like they did a few years ago when they first started using them. What I've noticed with the Luon versus the Asdale is a pungency of a smell. I don't know if like is is Luon board soaked in chemicals of some sort? Because every time I go into a Luon based trailer, it's like, whoa, it smells like chemicals in here. I can barely tolerate it. Eric, do you know anything about that? Because Eric has actually dismantled a whole aluminum trailer with the Luon and everything and rebuilt ah. it. So I think he knows. Yeah, it's uh, made of resource and all glue. And uh, old shredded wood and uh, formaldehyde. Oh, there you go. Well, I think we've discovered what stinks. Yeah. There's that smell. I wanted to ask you guys too. Another interesting thing is a lot of people in our community, they like buying the vans. What are your thoughts around uh, travel vans? 
Well, first of all, the nice thing about vans, they start with something built by car companies. So they tend to start with steel bodies that don't leak. And that's a good thing. But then they'll go to RV companies and they put in windows and air, they cut holes for air conditioners and all that stuff. So you still want to stay on top of them. And depending on how fancy your inside of your van is, you know, some people I've seen that have done conversions, they just they can see the metal van wall even from the inside. Now, some of them, you know, put in insulation and an inner interior wall that's going to hide that. But the ones that are a little bit bare bones conversions that you're going to see a leak because yeah. it's going to be right there on the inner wall. We've actually talked about buying a cargo trailer. And that's kind of got similar advantages to a van of being, you know, a metal box. And we actually found a van conversion company that we really liked that makes basically a bunch of aluminum boxes that you can stack and and use together. Again, we're just not those kind of project people. So if we go that route, it's going to be when we buy it and then take it. Yeah. Maybe make a list of what you want to do and also what's your style of camping. I would prioritize what is important to you and then look around at who might make that. Because there's so many different types of vans out there and so many different conversions. My personal favorite, the Embassy RV Traveler, the backstory of this company is their chief engineer bought an old camper van and then he had to fix something and he tore the wall apart and it was full of mold. And he's like, this is not going to fly. And so he makes an, a van that they're not cheap, but they're all waterproof materials inside. They're designed not to leak. That Embassy RV Traveler is a well thought through product because he camps. One of the most educational things I did is go to an RV wrecking yard and look at old RVs that had been torn apart in automobile accidents. So they're all in shreds. And some of them, they're brand new. They look great, but the walls are full of mold. That doesn't surprise me at all. So the way it typically works is somebody manufactures the camper, obviously, and then it goes typically on the back of a pickup truck and gets hauled to a dealership. And where I worked was in California, which is far from Indiana, and they'd get hauled across the country, winter, summer, didn't matter, and delivered to the dealership. And, you know, they're going down the road the whole time. And we would have some RVs that were brand new that leaked. Some of the RV companies, including Rockwood, and again, I'm biased and I'll admit it, they actually pressure test these RVs before they leave the factory. So they have like this fake door that goes in and they blow air into the camper and they walk around and spritz it with soapy water and look for if there's any leaks. So, and that's, that's a test that can be done. And there's a company that does it and I forgot who, but you can actually go pressurize your RV with, you know, big, you need a big fan and a way to seal it off. And I've seen it done where people will take off a baggage door and then put this big fan there and kind of seal it off. And I forget too, there's a, like a kit, it's thousands of dollars, but it's a kit you can buy. That's that big fan that yeah. you can pressurize your own. Maybe you wouldn't buy that just for yourself, but maybe you'd go into the business of doing that. And then there's a company that makes the kits that you can pressurize RVs with. I blow up RVs for a living. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. I mean, that pressurized test 
with the soapy water is not a bad thing to think of having done. You know what? I'd love to go to an RV junkyard and see that. That would fascinate me because I'm a nerd. (laughs) Well, Eric gave you an idea. Maybe you guys can check it out. And that would be a really cool podcast episode for you guys. I I think so. By the way, the RV junkyard. Thank you so much, Peggy, Tony. We totally appreciate your participation. Don't be shy. I'm happy to answer questions. Um, When it comes to information, I'm full of it. He's full of it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for joining. All right. right, Thank thank you. you. While Bill and I are doing our planning, another way, if we don't want to boondock or we don't find a place that looks good, we also, of course, use our Passport America app and look for campgrounds where we can pay half price. Uh, Yeah, Passport America is a discount program where you buy into the program, and it's very inexpensive. So you get your Passport America membership, and then... There's literally no catch. You find campgrounds within their system, and it's half price. And some of them are half price for a day, some a little bit longer. But it's a program we really like. Yeah, and it's very inexpensive. I think we probably paid for the whole membership on the first stop that we made. You join for $44 for the first year, $79 for two years, or $109 for three they basically have a whole group of campgrounds that they've worked with that charge half price. It's 50% off. And we did an interview with Passport America a while back. We'll put a link to that, but it's an unbeatable program. And we've, I mean, the first night you could potentially save the membership fee or at least after two nights. So it's, yeah. a, it's a great deal. So Tony mentioned earlier that we had done some new things in Santa Fe in addition to things that we do every time we go to Santa Fe, it seems like. Well, you get used to the stuff yeah, that you the like. the stuff that you know so. and like. So it was great to go as this rally, and Valerie really put together a great program. And one of the things that we did was a tour of the Rancho de las Golondrinas, and that means the Ranch of the Swallows. Yeah, they're not just for Capistrano. <laughs> That's right. It was a great, it was a working ranch. It's been like a working ranch since the 1800s, I think I remember. And it is really, really informative. They have docents and tour guides, and they take you and show you around in all the different buildings and just kind of give you the history of the place and, you know, why it works the way it does. And it is still a working ranch. They have goats and sheep. They have wool products. They do they do weaving demonstrations and teach people, especially kids, when they take tours with kids, show them how to weave, and then you can get you know, woven goods in the store. Yeah, they have these churro sheep. They're churro sheep, like, you know, what you get <laughs> like when you're the in cinnamon a... Yeah, right. Donuts. Cinnamon donut <laughs> from amusement park. And the neat thing about them is, apparently, they're a fairly obscure type of sheep that were valued by the Native Americans who kind of kept them. And because they sort of hid them from the settlers... They actually helped to keep this type of sheep alive. And so they actually make blankets and all kinds of stuff, as Peggy said, out of the wool from those churro sheep. Yeah. 
Another thing we did, which we've been threatening to do all the way from home, is to take the rail rail runner, not the road runner. Yeah, it's the rail runner. <laughs> the rail runner, which is a train that actually goes from Los Lunas, farther south of Albuquerque, up to Santa Fe. And so we took it, we were camped, you know, just south of Santa Fe. So we took the rail runner in on Saturday, and that's the day that they have the farmer's market and the artist's market. And that was terrific, man. They've got some great farmer's market things there. Indoor section, outdoor section was really great to walk around there. And some wow artists. Yeah, there are some incredible art and such. It's absolutely something worth doing at the old Santa Fe Depot. And another thing we did was we took a tour of New Mexico's largest brewery, Santa Fe Brewing Company. Yeah, Tony waited all week for that. Oh, boy, (laughs) did I ever. It was interesting to see how they are so production focused. They're very efficient in how they do things. They make New Mexico's favorite beer. They have grown like crazy over the past couple of years, too. I think they went from 5,000 to 15,000 barrels or something like that. Yeah, and I don't remember what the number is now, but it's it's gigantic. Yeah. And the beer that they make the most of is the 7K IPA, which is one of my favorites from here in New Mexico. <laughs> and apparently a lot of other people, it's the biggest selling beer in, it's the biggest selling craft beer in New Mexico. There you go. That was cool. It was a lot of fun. We have, we'll have pictures of that with the show notes from this episode, number 209 at Stresses Camping. And also, you know, I like beer okay, but I'm kind of limited in my desires of kinds of beer. But they also made a really great cider. And they have a food truck there that makes amazing (laughs) food. We had tacos tacos and quesadillas and just such really delicious stuff. We ate for, we ate there twice, actually, for lunch. Yes, we did. Oh, yeah, we did, by the way, go to the brewery more than once. Because, yeah, you know, of course. <laughs> I mean, how can you not? But when we weren't there and we got hungry, we started talking about hamburgers. Somehow the subject came up of everybody has what they think is the best burger. Yeah. You know, in terms of how you make a burger or what goes on the burger. I'm going to say something that is a bit surprising to people. But I don't prefer bacon on a hamburger, and here's why. I love bacon. Yeah, he does. I love hamburgers. Yep. But each of those is its own special thing. And so when you mix them, I don't see how the bacon makes the burger better. So what I do is when I get a bacon burger or a burger with bacon, I take the bacon off. He eats his burger and he eats his bacon on the side, yeah. like a side dish. Yeah, <laughs> then I get the best of both worlds. Now, of course, I realize a lot of people do like bacon on burgers. And you have to admit that you didn't hate when we bought that 50-50 well, yeah, that's, burger mixed with bacon. Right, that was what I was going to get at. There is a butcher shop in Northern California, and I'm sure plenty others, and they grind a burger of 50% beef and 50% bacon. And those are good. (laughs) Now that is a great bacon burger. And it just really elevates it. And so that's kind of, you know, what we were thinking is, how do you make a burger better? Well, bacon, bacon burger is like that. 
to me yeah. is better. There was also a restaurant that I loved in Kelseyville that made a oh, yeah. quesadilla burger. And so they had the, you know, it was a hamburger patty, of course, and then plenty of cheese. And then they wrapped the tortilla around it and then kind of fried it to hold it together. And I love having my burger in a tortilla. It was really, really good. One of the things that kind of makes a burger better is just good hamburger. And again, we like to go to the butcher shop to get the hamburger. It makes a huge difference. I mean, every ingredient that goes into something, you know, the better the ingredient, the better the end product typically. So I love finding local butcher shops. And if I see one that's got that 50-50 hamburger bacon, believe me, I'm getting that. (laughs) If you like a guacamole burger, Mm -hmm. I love avocados. And years ago, we almost bought an avocado ranch. Yeah, But avocados on travels are a little bit inconvenient. Yeah. You know, an avocado, it's like, I'm too hard. I'm too hard. I'm too hard. I'm too soft. Yeah, like bananas. (laughs) And so we found this squeezy avocado, and it's in like a giant toothpaste tube, for lack of a better description. The same size as you would get sour cream in, like those squeezy sour creams. And it's in the refrigerated section where the veggies are. And it's super convenient, and it's, you know, I recognize all the ingredients. It's not a bunch of weird stuff with long names yeah some of it just has like avocado and maybe some lemon juice or something to keep it but the great thing about those tubes is no air gets in it keeps that avocado fresh for a good long while yeah we've never had one of those tubes go bad on us no well of course we eat it a lot too well that's (laughs) true but i mean it's pretty convenient and being in a soft thing it travels well yes so that's another little tip if you want a guacamole burger that's cheater guacamole that's really good you did something with a hamburger not that long ago you soked it in yeah you almost couldn't stop <laughs> eventually i had to pass out <laughs> but yeah i soaked it in worcestershire sauce and it was that was good too it was good it, it was a different taste and yeah here's another thing that we found and this is just a recent find toasted onion jack from boar's head you know they make like deli meats yeah and we happen to be at the deli section of our local grocery store and i saw that and i must have been like gumby with my eyes popping out (laughs) so it's a jack cheese with toasted onion mixed in and it is so good uh, any it burger really is. any burger really needs to have a good piece of cheese on it this cheese we're going to go through a lot of this it's good on eggs it's good on burgers it's good <laughs> it's good on hot dogs i don't care it's good on everything yeah, it's super good i mean if you like onions i love onions by the way i even like onion cake i like french onion soup onions are my thing right the lady behind the counter gave us a slice to split and i was so like in love with this cheese when I tasted it, she gave me three more. Yeah, she did. She, she let was us. Like, Here, we were eating more. cheese the whole time. She was cutting cheese. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> lady back there cutting the cheese. And then I really love when a restaurant or you know us toast the bun. If you put some butter on that and put it on a flat top and really toast that bread, it really stops it from soaking the juices in from the hamburger. Well, and also like the ketchup and mayo and all that. Right. And and everything in. I am not a fan of soggy bread 
at no, all. Peggy hates it. I don't like soggy bread. So if you are going to put a burger on a bread that's just going to get soggy, I'm going to take it off and just eat it with a fork. Yep, that's true. Although we haven't been eating that much bread. But well, still, we if haven't. you're going to eat it, you might as well have the good stuff. Right. So if you toast it... You know, put a little butter, maybe put a little garlic butter on there Ooh. and toast up that bun. And that keeps the bun from soaking up all those liquids. Yeah. And that is much nicer. Lastly, Peggy follows this lady on YouTube called Emmy Made. Oh, yeah. And she tries, well, she makes stuff, but she also sometimes tries really wacky stuff. Yeah, like burgers in a can. Yeah, there <laughs> were two burgers. We'll put a link to the video, but she tried two canned hamburgers. And it's not just not the just hamburger meat. meat. It's, it's the, the whole thing. Yeah, it's the bread and pickle. And it's sort of, of like an it. MRE in yeah, some ways. Yeah. So I won't divulge what she thought of them. But, but we, we will put, put a, a link, link so you can watch it. It's pretty interesting. She's really adorable. She always is so excited when her recipes come out. And she tries some of the craziest things. Yep. <laughs> Including burgers in a can. So we had talked about putting burgers in a tortilla or a tortilla. <laughs> and one of the ways you can do that is with the gadget of the week, which is pie irons. Now that's a way to get that tortilla to really hold that cheese and burger together and make it... That's what I do like about the one at Lindahl's was that it, it wasn't loose. You know, it didn't all fall apart. It was all kind of a nice stuck together yeah, thing. Yeah, it, was, it thing. was complete. It <laughs> yeah. was, yeah, it wasn't falling apart. And the pie iron is cast iron clamshell, for lack of a better right. description. Yeah. And the idea is you can put stuff in there and make those hand pies. But Manya, our friend from Redwood Empire RVs, is the queen of the pie iron. Mm -hmm. And she makes all kinds of sandwiches. She's made pulled pork sandwiches. Cherry pies. Cherry pies. <laughs> you could make those tortilla-wrapped hamburgers. You could make your own Hot pocket. That's right. <laughs> you could put pizza things inside and use Ooh, either yeah. either that pre-made pizza dough in a can or just a slice of white bread on each side. It's The pie irons are really forgiving and they let you do a lot of experimenting and have a good time. <laughs> yeah, one of the nice things about them is they're great for the campfire because they're cast iron on a stick. <laughs> and so you can put them over the fire and uh each person can do their own thing and and all so we'll put a link but we really dig the pie irons do you have a rv for us this week i do and i we, mean you always do well, so. i always do you're <laughs> right i do and it's something again that is brand new to the market in tech which is part of the aluminum trailer company family brought out a shorter version of their terra called the magnolia and it's a smaller version of that. One of the neat things about this, and we have a friend, Dr. Mike, who has a Terra Oasis, which is the larger version, but the Magnolia is a little bit shorter, but they have this huge front windshield and windows on either side and a U-shaped dinette up front, which is, it's a real nice space to be. The Magnolia has that. The big areas where they've, done work to shorten this trailer is in the back mostly which is in the bedroom and what they've done is they've made a corner bed it's a queen size bed but it's in a corner as opposed to the oasis that has the bed that you can walk around 
one of the neat things about the way they build these trailers is they start with their own aluminum frame and then aluminum cage structure. And then on that, they hang fiberglass, including the roof, which is a single piece of fiberglass all the way from the back bumper to the edge of the front windshield. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I like a lot of what they did. I was a little concerned that they would feel stark when I first saw them, but no, they actually do okay. And you can use like that spoon flower wallpaper if you feel they are a little stark. The one thing I didn't like, and this was a comment on the reviews, you know, readers write in and comment on them, and they agree that the wet bath was just kind of claustrophobic. There's no window. And in this case, it also has no sink, which I know for Peggy is a deal breaker. Yeah, I don't like to brush my teeth where I wash my dishes or at the same time. (laughs) Wait, you get it all done at once, so... (laughs) Intech Terra Magnolia. You know, I had mentioned that it's one piece fiberglass roof from the back bumper to the front nose cap. And we want to remind people because of mold and, you know, what we talked about this week, make sure that all your seals on your RV are in good shape. Yes. And I want to, I'm not going to go too long about this because a few weeks ago we had Gary Sippa and he really did a great job describing sealants and working on the holes that are in all RVs. So Right, not only how to do it, but then also to make sure that you're using the right product. Yep. So we'll link back to that episode. And as always, you know, our show notes go to stresslesscamping.com. There's a podcast tile there. Tap on that and it'll take you to our list of podcasts and they're all in there by number. This is episode number 209. We're pretty close to another year completed of the stressless camping podcast so thank you to all of you out there who are in our little family well it's not that little a family that's right (laughs) last week our question of the week could have been a little controversial everybody was very very nice as we asked you to be right there weren't really any arguments the people in the stressless camping podcast facebook group are terrific they are terrific you all are terrific and last week i asked what is your campground pet peeve? And yeah, this could have gone way off the rails, yeah. but it didn't. And it was very <laughs> popular and people were pretty consistent in their responses. And so the best way to sum this up, be a great neighbor. Yeah. A campground is a space that's shared by people trying to get away from their day-to-day stuff. But here are some of the things that people highlighted in particular. Dogs that bark constantly now every dog is gonna bark like every baby is gonna cry and nobody nobody can i would not allow people to say a dog that barks once that would have been the not okay answer but dogs that bark incessantly and the owners don't do anything about it that's really high on the list yeah it might be something you're used to fido barking a lot but it's not something that others seem to want to hear when they're camping and you know what also very 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 related is dogs that are not restrained not kept on the leash because most campgrounds that i've been to have leash law and you should have your dog on a six foot leash and we have been in more than one situation where someone tells us in not these words but the rules don't apply to me yeah and it's not okay bull feathers you know there's some not controversy but there's back and forth how's that 
about those cages that go kind of around your campsite. I think they're fine. Well, it's, I think it depends on the dog. Right. You should always know your dog, but that is something that They're very, very like. popular, and some yep. campgrounds don't even allow that. I've seen rules where they say, no, a six-foot leash is what you're going to use, even if it's inside one of those gates. Yep. Okay, here's another one. Outdoor lighting left on all night long. No, it doesn't prevent rodents, and nobody needs to know that you have a toy hauler that has the ultimate lighting package in the middle of the night. Yeah, especially ones that flash. Oh, Those my are gosh. especially oh. annoying. At least the ones that are solid, I can eventually kind of tune it out like white noise for your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Even then, I really like it dark. I have too much good night vision and I don't want a lot of light. You know, like I had to buy three magnets before I found the one that completely blocked off the microwave light oh, yeah. <laughs> in the camper because I just, I can't go to sleep. I just lay there and obsess over that blue light well, shining. It's, it's pretty darn bright. I mean, that microwave light and of course, we're not talking about the lights in your RVs. That's its own Well, that's podcast, your problem. But right? <laughs> but when you leave things on out, outside that, you know, are probably shining into other people's windows. And, you know, people have argued, and not in our group, but I've seen it. Well, why don't you just close your blinds? Well, are your blinds solid, completely stuck against the window? Nobody's are. Nope. You can't completely block out light. Okay. The next one. Trash left behind, especially in the campfire rings. Oh, guys, come on. And by the way, this is one of my hugest pet peeves. The fire pit is not an ashtray. No, it's not. And we have friends who have campgrounds and their team has to go and clean out these fire pits between campers. And among the things that they have found are syringes in the campfire. So, yeah. you know... Please pack bring your, your trash, own trash out. Can. Put your trash out. Yeah. A lot of campgrounds, there's going to be a trash can or a dumpster nearby. Some campgrounds even say, put your bag out by 10 in the morning and we drive around and pick them up. Yeah. You can't get more convenient than that. Those are pretty nice. Another thing that is absolutely universal is people annoyed by others walking through their campsite on the way to somewhere. And you've got to remember, people take ownership of that space when they're there. And this is almost kind of the equivalent of jumping over the fence into someone's backyard. Yeah, yeah. All right, and now we have some fun ones that people have shared. <laughs> yeah, our friend Jerry said that what really bothers her is people that start their rigs at Dark 30 and then start packing everything up while their rigs are running. Now, I remember back when I was a child, diesel motors did have to be running for half an hour and warm up before you started taking them out on the road. I believe that's not so true anymore. Yeah, but still this past weekend on both sides of us, the campers started their engines at least 45 minutes before they had to go because their cars weren't hooked up yet. Slides were still on, although I believe on some of them, the slides are hydraulic, so you need the diesel engine. But yeah, they just had them on and on and on. I mean, for you're just wasting was, fuel for that by that, right? Well, it's not that much, but seven fifteen is a little early to fire up a diesel. Yeah. Engine. 
Marilyn really had a, a nice look at all of this. With all things mentioned can be annoying and practices I personally do not do. But the good news is the situation is short term. I get a move away. Not saying it's right that folks do things at campground, but folks do things at campground. People do this in their own neighborhood sometimes too, and that's more long term. So good thing is you can move. Mike also had a funny one. If he is in the campground bathroom and someone uses 37 feet of toilet paper and 16 paper towels, I guess he counts, (laughs) 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 to finish their business. You know, there's no point in wasting. And everyone that's, well... I guess anyone who's been in, who's used the bathroom in an RV should know three sheets, not 37 feet. Right. Maybe that's why they go use the outhouse or the bathhouse so that they can use as much paper as they want. But you're going to clog a toilet if you use too much paper, no matter what. So be a little bit respectful and don't waste resources just because they're there. Nah, that's that's a good one. So be kind. We do have a new article about campground etiquette, which we will share again in the show notes. Also, if you're a newsletter subscriber of ours, we do send our once a week fun and friendly newsletter. And there'll be a link to the campground etiquette article there and a link to the Stresses Camping Podcast Facebook group where you can weigh in if you didn't get one of your favorite pet peeves <laughs> heard. But the question for this week is... Our friend Tom Taylor, who comes up with some good ones, and he wants to know what is the best restaurant, and we'll allow a couple, that you have found on the road. So please remember to tell us the name of the restaurant and the location, and if you have a photo of those best foods, you know, that is a bonus. Absolutely. Well, that's what we have for you this week. We really, again, appreciate you being here. Know, of course, that you can answer the question of the week on our fun and friendly Stressless Camping Podcast Podcast Facebook group. And also, don't forget that we do a once a week newsletter. And everyone who you have just a couple days left, if you haven't already signed up for our newsletter, we are doing a drawing for new members of the newsletter. And somebody's going to win a water hose from Air Gear, the best water hose that we've ever used. Yeah, all you have to do is sign up in the month of June. And we're going to pick one of those people who signed up and send you an email. And that's it no charge make sure you're a member of our newsletter community and then you'll be the only person that receives more than one newsletter a week because that is our promise to you one newsletter a week not a bunch of junk we just give you the links to the podcasts and websites and videos and stories that we think will help you get the best of your rv experience you can sign up on our website where you'll find the show notes for this episode number 209 on the podcast page at stresslesscamping.com that's also where we've got our discounts and deals for the best deals on the things you'll need on your stressless camping adventure And if you know of a deal that we don't already have on our website and you want to help us increase that page, please let us know. And of course, we're in all the social places where you can start at stressescamping.com. And from there, jump off and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and just all of that. And of course, if you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast, it's free to subscribe on any podcast catcher, and we are saving you a seat around our virtual campfire. Oh, and uh, we've said it before, say it again, a review will help others find this podcast, and you know, it just helps us a lot 
those reviews. So if you haven't done one yet, please do. We really appreciate it. And if you've already written a review and find something that you would like to share, that helps too. And we really appreciate that as well, especially those people who share pretty much everything we ever post. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what we have for you this week. We hope this isn't a moldy old topic for you. (laughs) I always have to get in a pun. With that, thank you so much for being here and happy camping. We hope you learned a lot and had some fun and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure, and we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping! You almost couldn't stop. Eventually, I'd have passed out.